when they are implementing this uh, EU GDPR per se as a standard, do you see emerging Europe, especially the countries who are not in the EU, having different challenges in implementation? Or what kind of challenges do you see? I would see, you know, the, it, it's not only related to uh, to GDPR, but uh, there are uh, obviously challenges related to any type of, uh, uh, you know, um, sorry, I just forgot what it's called. Uh, uh, it's not pre um, property rights. Uh, no, it's okay. not property. Uh, intellectual property rights? Intelle yes, intellectual property rights. Let's maybe rights. start That's again. Yeah. Uh, so that we can edit it out. Mm -hmm. So I will ask you again from there. So, uh, Andrew, when you see this implementation of GDPR in these countries, especially there's two groups, the EU and the non-EU emerging Europe, do you see challenges that they are facing in implementation of the GDPR as a standard? I think, uh, you know, when we look at the, the region, uh, in general, because we were not specifi specifying or naming individual countries, but I think there are and they have been there have been challenges related to uh, things like GDPR, but also intellectual property rights. You know, sometimes uh, the view on that is a little bit less less orthodox, if that makes sense. Uh, so uh, we we feel that uh, there is. A wider margin of acceptance of not, you know, being compliant with some of the uh, some of the regulations. I'm, I'm not saying that it's very common, but depending on the market, it might uh, differ slightly. I I have also seen, and then I'm speaking, uh, you know, I'm, I'm talking about uh, that based on on our experience, that sometimes we, and this is this is related to personal data. Uh, imagine we have we organize a, an event, uh, and we are asked to send the list of participants with contact details. And you know, sometimes obviously we are unable to do that because you know we cannot share uh, personal data. But uh, there are inquiries like that sometimes coming from larger organizations or governments. Uh, or international institutions, which, you know, which is quite interesting, I would say. Yes, it's very interesting. In fact, I like to dig a bit more deep into this aspect, because most of the event organization companies have this challenge. In the past, they would collect data and they would share it with sponsors, partners, third parties, you name it. And now with the GDPR, we have to be a little bit more selective and right. more, uh, there are many solutions, of course, and many approaches. But how do you manage this? Because as Emerging Europe, you organize a lot of events and events mean personal data. So how are you handling that situation? Well, we first of all uh, collect uh, the data only for the use related to uh, the event. Uh, mm -hmm. So so only for that. Uh, and uh, if we, uh, we always ask, uh, you know, all the participants if they wish to be contacted uh, going forward once they have signed up for for an event and uh, definitely not share we don't share the the personal data with third parties because uh, that's not what uh, what uh, we would like to do uh, but that obviously doesn't mean that we are not asked 
to uh, to to do that. And you know, you mentioned sponsors, for example, or partners. And sometimes these inquiries do not come from them. They sometimes come for from participants, for example. So they would like to know who has registered for the event. And obviously, <laughs> this is a bit of a stretch. Yeah, it is a bit of, bit of a stretch, but you base it on consent. And one of the concerns people have when we say, let's use the data for the event, and we will ask consent if they agree to share. And those who agree, we would share their data. And there are two challenges. One, there's a, always an apprehension on part of organizers or even the, those who would receive data that we may not receive that data. So does that often happen that nobody gives consent or generally people are quite uh, gracious or generous in sharing their data? Well, I would say that we don't tend to actually ask them to share their personal data for third parties purposes. Okay. We only, so if there's, if there's anything uh, that we would like to communicate to them going forward, we would just say, do you agree or do you consent to uh, receive any specific communications from us, be it related to, um, you know, our future events or our future, our newsletter, for example, do you, would you like to subscribe for our newsletter or if um, they would like to be informed about, you know, products or services. Interesting. So rather than sharing the data, you ask them if they want to receive a newsletter or yeah. a product. And in that context of subscribing or uh, consenting for product and or newsletter, you then bundle in or information around partners. And if somebody wants to give, then they go directly over there. Yes. Yes. That's so we try to limit, uh, yeah, we try to limit, uh, that, uh, you know, data processing, uh, to, to, to minimum. Yeah. That's a very clean model because my next question normally I was thinking in my head would have been, so if it's based on consent, you share the data. The person withdraws consent, what do you do? In this case, you don't have to do anything. Just pull them out of your list for newsletter and or the product uh, description. And if they gave the data to the other party, then they are anyways the controller. So you are having a no role to play. They have to do an another unsubscribe with the partner. A comment here, uh, maybe something interesting. You know, uh, we are to some extent an organization that also runs a, a publication which means that we are often bombarded with different, you know, uh, communications, let's put it this way. And, and they are about, you know, a wide range of different things. Sometimes uh, we are subscribed to, uh, or, you know, for, for newsletters or for communications that we have never uh, given any consent too. So, you know, it kind of both, you know, work works both ways. And uh, sometimes it's a bit uh, frustrating that, you know, you receive communications that you have never agreed to receiving. Yeah, that, that can happen. But then you are an organization and some of the organizational data is so readily available in the UK and the EU as part of uh, the transparency from corporate mm -hmm. perspective. And, and this comes actually from various markets. It doesn't have to be within, you know, emerging Europe, within the emerging Europe region. It might be from the UK. It might be, uh, you know, from, from other uh, countries within the European Union as well. Mm -hmm. 
and continuing with your part as a company emerging europe when you implemented the gdpr was it challenging because you also have multiple dimensions in your business you have this uh, maybe let's first understand what do you do as emerging europe so that uh, you can yourself explain the different parts and then we I, get into sure. how challenging it has been to implement uh, privacy compliance to those business parts well uh, i before i before i tell you about emerging europe i will just make a quick comment about gdpr because you know when we uh, i mean our organization has been around for almost a decade right now so when gdpr uh, was introduced we obviously the uk was part of the european union uh, mm -hmm. now the situation has slightly changed of course uh, we still uh, are compliant uh, here uh, and uh, we also uh, well, the UK regulations are pretty much uh, the same, you would say, as uh, GDPR. Uh, now, when it comes to Emerging Europe, uh, Emerging Europe is a growth hub uh, that looks at three different uh, elements. So the, uh, the, the first element is, uh, is our analysis uh, part or pillar, if you will. And this is our editorial or our... Uh, analysis uh, side. So we basically took, we, we basically look at uh, the whole region and we try to explain what is, you know, what happens in the region uh, and uh, how or why these things are important. The second uh, pillar is our intelligence, or you might call it knowledge as well, or insight. And this is our consultancy services, our reports, our research. Uh, and the third one is communities or connections or our programs where we connect, uh, you know, the emerging Europe region with uh, other parts of the world, but also, uh, you know, closer um, here in, you know, uh, countries within Europe. So that's, that's uh, emerging Europe. Fit for Privacy helps you to create a culture of privacy and manage risks by creating, defining, and implementing a privacy strategy that includes delivering scenario-based training for your staff. We also help those who are looking to get certified in CIPPE, CIPM, and CIPT through on-demand courses that help you prepare and practice for certification exam. Want to know more? Visit www fitforprivacy.com. That's www.fit, the number four, privacy.com.